Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Macro Compass. Yes, but what about Europe? Most macro commentary focuses on the US, but over the last few months, the real golden kid has been Europe. Recently, the euro has appreciated over 10% against the US dollar. Macro data seems to suggest a recession has been avoided, and the European stock market is on a roll, having outperformed the S&P 500 and other peers. For foreign macro practitioners, though, the complex European architecture and its many dimensions appear like an unattractive black box to analyze. Given my European perspective, I thought that in this piece, what I would do is discuss the main drivers behind the recent European macro and market outperformance, break it down with you guys, and answer the big question. Where do we go from here when it comes to the euro and to European asset pricing? Let's go back to September 2022. European stock markets were in free fall. The euro against the dollar was at 0.95 below parity. And everybody was asking themselves, will Europe be able to keep its lights on this winter? And these worries were justified back then by the complex macro and energy picture. But while not good at long-term policymaking, I can guarantee you that, being European, Europe is great at avoiding last-minute disasters. Europe is really good at firefighting rather than long-term planned policymaking. And the chart above, the first one you see in the article, shows the gargantuan amount of GDP per capita allocated by different European countries towards households and firms in an attempt to fight the energy crisis. Look at those black dots. On average, countries allocated 5% of GDP per capita against the energy crisis. That's a huge figure. To put it in context, this amount of firefighting, let's take the Italian fiscal deficit. On average, in a year, the Italian fiscal deficit ranges between 50 and 60 billion, and Italy allocated 90 billion alone solely to shield consumers and firms from higher energy prices. That's almost worth a year and a half for fiscal deficit, solely for this purpose. Huge firefighting. Again, Europe is bad at long-term policymaking, but good at, at emergency measures. And why am I saying this? Because using public finances to shield the private sector from a structural trade or commodity problem is not a viable long-term solution, but it sure as hell works in the short term because it fixes terms of trade. So what's that? Terms of trade, uh, the indices measuring terms of trade precisely, they measure the relative performance of a country's export prices against their import prices. So better or higher terms of trade mean that the value that you get out of your exports is outperforming the value of the stuff you need to import from outside. And government intervention were crucial to backstop terms of trade that are also important for the currency. Deteriorating terms of trade often involve a weaker currency because the country has to spend more to import the same amount of products. In that case, energy. As energy prices were going up, the Euro, uh, Europe is an importer of energy and the euro was in a free fall, which was also undermining investor confidence in Europe. And the government intervention that I just described, absolutely gigantic amount of money being poured to households and corporates, helped backstop energy prices for Europe, effectively subsidized energy prices for European households and firms, 
and also improved terms of trade because the energy imports, the price of the imports for European countries went down. And so that means that terms of trade could stop deteriorating. You can see in the second chart in the article that is quite telling how as soon as the euro terms of trade bottomed, that was in September last year, and started going up, maybe a month later, the euro bottomed against the dollar as well and caught quite a relentless bid from 0.95 to 110 in the range of a few months. And a stronger euro is important because it brings with it better sentiment and it underpins the recovery in European risk assets that we have seen from October last year all the way to February. The kicker was that government intervention also killed the recessionary vibes because the extreme pessimism around the manufacturing industry was now less justified because input and energy costs were subsidized by the government. And so, you know, all this immediate earnings recession fear had to be priced out, which means that together with the better sentiment and a stronger euro, European stocks also staged a massive rally and outperformed many global peers. On top of it, soft micro data like PMI service, for instance, also validate the narrative of better growth because there are more optimistic answers coming now in this service as the worst seems to be behind us, which really begs the question, where do we stand now? What's ahead for Europe? Looking at market pricing, how can we reconcile pricing today in the macro picture today after having avoided uh, an energy crunch-induced recession with what lies ahead for Europe? How can we reconcile market pricing in the stock market, in the currency market, and in the bond market? Now, I, I have covered all of this in the remaining part of the article and more. So if you've enjoyed it so far and you're eager to read the remaining part of this report, come and join the Macro Compass Premium platform. There will be full-length, timely pieces multiple times a week, an actionable investment strategy, and much more. The piece is reserved to all-round and pro-investor subscribers. So you can check out the offers to subscribe to these two tiers, clicking on the button at the end of the article or visiting the website, which is also mentioned in the link at the end of the piece. I will update you guys again next week.